0: Well uh, yeah. I
1: wondered if you could say more on the number she
0: said about that dance between allowing and letting go. You know, just things hotter in there. Yeah. Um, then yeah. as you're indicating there, there's a lot that can be said. And they you know, what can you say? <laughs> so what, how I work with it is a sense of going back to that very first teaching the Buddha gave about the middle way, finding this place of balance between you know, pushing things away and grasping hold of them always contemplating my practice in this where is the balance here Where, where is the a point of ease where I'm able to be present in reality yeah. so there's there are you know, things to be let go of I could say that obscure our ability to be fully here and now so It's like if the mind is off in this great, what they call, puncture, proliferation about how I'm going to change the cupboards in my kitchen when I get
2: home.
0: (laughs) And uh, I notice at a certain point when my mind starts to settle, a kind of creative energy starts to arise. And I can work it into the body. Or if I'm not careful it will go into the mind and it's with the kitchen cupboards or it's with the... You know, Liza and I have been doing a Dharma hall meditation space. that can be, well how should we have the shoe racks? No? <laughs> a kind of energy starts to rise. and So the, the letting go is to recognise that actually right now it's of no help whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the it's future ideas. I mean, it's not whatever I come up with. It's going to be nothing like that. It's the kind of it's the mind starting to feed, looking for contact, looking for excitement, and part of that comes, I find, when at a certain time in the meditation, when the energy starts rising and the mind goes, whoo. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense to you. And so, to know, to know well, actually, there is no, there is no advantage in following that proliferation. I recognise that. I go, yes, Tanya, and I let it go kindly. Mm. Oh, I know this. I now know because I recognise it. I know actually what the next movement needs to be. Mm. Back here, letting that energy fill the body, settle it, yeah. yeah? So, we let go, but we've also used the letting go to come more into presence. So yeah. I, I don't stifle that energy, I recognise it and chat, put it into a skillful direction. We can do that with any energetic really. We let go of the hindrances, you know that, <clears throat> what I'm talking about, you know the kitchen cupboards can be like a feasting, they're a, they're a sense desire, and relax in that. Yeah? And we, depending on how, how composed the mind is, we can inquire more deeply. We can use that exact place for our inquiry, and it's, use it to wake up, but in my experience I need enough stability for the mind's not going, kung here, kung there. Chasing after this, chasing after that. Yeah, and so in the beginning, the, you know, to find the mind can be flipping between one extreme and the other, and you know, it's a bit like when you've got the old-fashioned scales. You know, with the pivot point, you put a weight here and it goes like that. So you go up too much there. You put it there. It goes up the other way, and you and you start to get so that this thing is actually balanced and it and it rests easily, you know, on the on the point. Yeah. So and that's why we talk about experimenting. Oh, because sometimes it's hard to know even which direction we're out of balance. Yeah. And what if I do a bit more of this? What happens? Does it help us come into alignment, into the upright mind that we talk about in the chanting, or does it further, you know, misalign things? Is that helpful? Jatandria, something you'd like to
2: add? Mm. Oh, you didn't need the mic. I guess when I was listening to you and just hearing the question, I think it's um, very common to get a little bit uncertain around that dance the letting go or letting be or allowing. Um, and sometimes I think it's worth exploring what do we think, what do we conceive of letting go and letting be, the difference. Because at some point it's almost the same within <clears throat> our practice, you know, letting be can allow something to. Just unravel, and it's changed or dispersed or disappeared. And sometimes, having the idea of letting go, there can be a subtle judgment: "This is not good. This is not right. It's the wrong thing at the moment, or I am wrong." And so, our idea of "I've got to find a way to let go of this somehow" but it's really a sticky, sticky point because there may be some subtle aversion or judgment there which actually sticks. As to the object or there's something not seeing it clearly and we're, we're stuck in it. So just to explore around that. Um, and, and as you were speaking just now, so just reflecting on that teaching of where things come from or things are... the translation is rooted in desire but the word is, is chanda which gets translated as desire we, we tend to think, oh, desire is wrong, therefore everything that arises must be wrong, we'll have to get rid of it. But, and then you hear the teaching number nine or eight, oh, yielding deliverance is essence, so it can't be that bad. But actually the word that gets translated desire is chanda, so it has, it is desire, but it's also interest and enthusiasm. Our attention gets drawn into something, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, technically. And all things arise within the mind from this attention being drawn in, and ah, arising on attention, arising on contact, born of attention. So we can attention can settle on anything, and there's something present, and it's the the grow, the development of the wisdom mind that begins to understand what it it has arisen. Is this wholesome, unwholesome? That's what I was saying. Is this helpful or not helpful in this moment that attention is being drawn in here? And there might be that point where you reach, you know, or just staying with and seeing it clearly, it dissolves in and of itself. So, there are just a few extra comments to throw into the mix.
1: So, one of you spoke about um, doing a review at the end of a meditation of causes and conditions mm. to get a better understanding of what phenomena condition others. And I know in the past, you've talked about this, Will. I think it was you, Jitindri, in the retreat. Um, I'd be curious to hear more about that, particularly around wholesome horizons, because it's more straightforward to be able to, say, follow thought to an emotion to a constellation of sensations in the body. So the conditioning there I find simpler and more straightforward. when it's the arising of wholesome states that perhaps arise in the absence of something. Like the hindrances aren't present, so there are arisings. Or wholesome states that in fact are maybe a little hard to name, to recognize. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, and also the, the value of doing this kind of a review in meditation.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I think reviewing is critical myself because it's about you know, it's about how we learn and it, sometimes if we're just going along and things are happening and we never look back and see the conditionality of it we don't start to understand how these things work you know, um, so Meditation practice to start to see, well, if, if I attend in this way, it has this result. It's very helpful because if, if you look at how things like the Anapanasati Sutra laid out, they're about actually, or the Sunyata Sutra, even more so, they're about really understanding what happens when you. When attention is placed here, attention, attention constellate, and recognizing the subtle um, inclining that allows practice to deepen and open. So, in reviewing, even just noticing, as I'm saying the guided meditation, if I recognize this long, slightly Coarse breath, and I don't try and change it, but I just remember the beautiful breath. You know, so it's not change; it's just letting something settle and open. You can make, it can completely transform, and the mind, body can come into a more profoundly unified, settled state. You know, so, you. By reviewing, you can say, "Oh, just that most." I'm talking about something so subtle—the most subtle remembering of of how the Buddha talks about this process allows the mind to open, and it means that every meditation, when you sit, it's not a completely. I mean, there is the beginner's mind, but you understand the process. Yeah. So that it's not kind of, it's not random. It means that, you know, folks like Sariputta could sit down, think what they wanted to think, and allow the mind to completely relax.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So, recognise, and particularly with these kind of, deepening that deepening of wholesome states mm. born of attention at all things so what are we attending to what, what in this subtle experience what, what is wholesome to attend to mm. what allows this process get, does it make sense? I mean, we could say a lot, Jitindra could come, please, expand it, because it, it is a whole, it's a whole thing. Learning to review, not from aversion, not from control, it's just recognizing. You know, that's why, the, as I was sitting meditation before, the Sunyata Sutta came to my mind, the Chula Sunyata Sutta, And when I first read it I could have run around the world. It was so exciting. (laughs) It was and what it showed you is if you place atten if you just allow attention to recognise and start letting things drop away, how emptiness is revealed. And so There is a sense of choicelessness, being open to the present moment, but also the recognition of path. And reviewing shows you, well, if I attend to the kitchen cupboards, it has this result. If I work that enthusiasm, that chanda, that energy rising through the body, it has this result. Mm -hmm. It's not that the kitchen cupboards aren't worth attending to, but right now it's a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. I'm here and I have this opportunity to cultivate. Yeah. Does that make sense? It
1: does make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's the aspect that there are a lot of things that I don't feel I can know necessarily in the process. So it it still feels like it it's a challenge of a spacious knowing. Because I know in my own mind there would be this inclination toward control.
0: Yeah, well it's to know mm. your mind in that way because some of us tend to uncontrol. So once again, if you know your habit is then to start tightening and going, oh, oh, I'll go this way, then, then it's there, and it will be like this again. But then, then we're in a crazy place, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's trying to recreate something ex- from an idea rather than having um, identified the subtle energetic movements of attention. Knowing each time all be different, but there are, there is a path. You know, so, yeah, how to, it's always this paradox in practice. There's, there's, it, it's a bit like the question of letting be, letting go. Where's the place where those things are the same? Mm.
1: Mm. Cause that's what—that's
0: yeah, really where we're coming to.
2: And in this um, in practice path, we really learn through experience, and we learn through being with our own mind, with our own habits, um, and learning from that. You know, so we actually can start to understand cause and effect from within our own practice. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the, the tendency to want to control, we all, we all have that to one degree or another. But, so something in you is recognizing the, the affect of control, the mechanism of wanting to control within the mind. So as you notice how that happens you know, something and you notices more and more the more you investigate and are interested in it you know, how does this happen where does it lead the mind is opening to beginning to understand that cause-effect relationship what is it that kicks in and wants to try to control you know, and where does it lead so this kind of open inquiry you're beginning to see more about this tendency. And does it lead in a, a fruitful direction or, or not? So the heart, in terms of direct knowing, is coming to understand cause and effect relationship within, within all, all the movements of the mind, where attention goes and what it fruits in, where it leads us, what experience emerges. So this starting to understand cause-effect relationship internally and externally is part of right view, the cultivation of right view. Um, Understanding that there are causes and conditions for everything that comes into being gives us a wonderful perspective and ultimately it's the freeing perspective. And it's, (coughs) it's not necessarily just, well it's not just intellectual, conceptual understanding, it's the heart that has grasped in a good way, aha, uh-huh, I understand this relationship. And wisdom and mindfulness, the wise mind, um, understanding the goal, understanding the purpose of the path, can begin to orient. And this is where you know, all the other factors of the path, they're working together. Right effort, right intention, Uh, Right mindfulness, right concentration. I don't like the word right either. (laughs) But right actually, it's a translation, this is a problem of translation, but when you come back to that Pali word samma, it actually is very holistic. There's implications of completion or complete or perfect or whole, but more particular that it leads in one direction only. So samma it's not right as opposed to wrong, but it leads in the direction of nibbana. This is the Buddha's path, it leads in this direction to the allaying of suffering. If we're on the on the Mitcha path, the the wrong path, it leads in the direction of more suffering. Yeah. So we can judge that and say this is good, this is bad, but Buddha's just pointing out that this, when we hit samma, it's leading in the right direction. Not only the heart can know that. Only the heart can know that taste of release, the, the ah feeling when something opens up. That confirms, ah, this is, this is the someone bit. We're, we're in the, on the right path here. Mm. If there's still ooh, contraction, it's like, okay, this is first noble truth. It's not wrong. This is first noble truth, but there's something more to be seen here. Something is occluded because we're stuck in this place of ooh, as opposed to ah. <laughs> okay, so we need to bring the, all the qualities we have to that ooh moment, that tight moment, the wisdom, the compassion, the willingness to be with this, to understand this experience of suffering, to understand that causal relationship. And again, in the heart, it's not an intellectual the theoretical teachings can help point our attention, remind us, recollecting. What did the Buddha say about this uch moment? That helps bring our attention to the place of where it's happening. It feels like this, it's associated with these thoughts and memories. My reaction to it is, oh, I don't want it, pushing away. So we're noticing all of those factors. When we start to see clearly, there's an opening, a releasing. Um, So the heart's understanding this more and more. It's it's kind of, it's getting it, you know, through direct experience. So the more we can see those cause and effect relationships from moment to moment in our experience, there's there's comprehension of the teaching, and integration on the level, on that level, experiential level. I think I first brought up that notion of reviewing knowledge when we were talking about the the Buddha's enlightenment, and there is, within the text, when there is insight, when there is deep insight, sometimes this reviewing knowledge happens automatically. Because insight is a direct experience, not a conceptual experience. It's those aha moments. The heart's changed. There's a broader perspective. But conceptually, conceptualizing comes later. It's like a bubble emerging from the bottom of the ocean to burst at the top. It's like, ah, oh, what just happened? But it's, it, it's, it's interesting that it's written in, in the text as an automatic process. The mind immediately goes to review what happened. So I was just kind of filling that out a bit, a little bit on the the teaching of the Buddha. Must have reviewed what happened, obviously, automatically, but also as a way of integrating the teaching and then beginning to contemplate or how to communicate this. So there's that automatic reviewing knowledge and insight, but there's also, as Tanya was saying, our own reviewing of, you know, at the end of the set, we check in, how do we feel? And sometimes it's an automatic knowledge, you know, well, I felt like crap when I came in and now I feel pretty good. You know, Just that recognition that something has shifted and more... Or the other way around. Sometimes you feel pretty good going into <laughs> like crap that crap. In. You know. um, so something has shifted there too. So it's just reviewing to, to get... a a more whole picture, and sometimes you might go into detail. You might recognize, sometimes you sit there and just out of nowhere, a memory pops up. It happens to be a painful memory. Oh, I thought i dealt with this. This was years ago, here it is again. Just because there's space, you know, something pops up. I reckon, well, something triggered that, actually. It might have been a sight, sound, smell, taste, my own thoughts drifting recognizing feeling tone, subtle feeling of insecurity, and suddenly this memory comes back. And I felt blamed and insecure, and so it wasn't fair, and I should have told her this, and, rah, and she said that, and suddenly you're back in the scene. Oh, what's going on? But when I review what's going on, oh, it arose from here. There was a feeling tone. There was a memory latched on to that memory, something in the mind, interest, Mm -hmm. zoomed in, but because there wasn't complete clarity just to see the memory rising, ceasing, got involved, birth, the birth of this whole situation again in the mind, and the ensuing struggle, but then there's some awareness watching it. Oh, okay. What part of this is sensation? What part is feeling? What part is perception? What part is uh, sankara? What part is wanting, not wanting? So the mind's analyzing even as it's happening because that's what it's accustomed to doing now. And eventually it falls. Just a memory, a moment of rebirth, cessation again and let it go. It's let go of all over again. It may re-rise again when conditions are conducive or not. That's the unknown. But the more that happens, the more you know it. So a very long answer. But I hope that's helpful. And we're up to the time for interview, uh, dialogues.
0: Yeah.